Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. I have with me today career coach Michelle Rademacher. She is the president of RP4C Corporation, which is a career coaching company focused on helping professionals to align their careers for greater fulfillment and organizations to improve our internal staffing. She's a two-time career changer, and her career has included pivots from architect to executive writer, and then to her role today as a career coach. This means Michelle has firsthand experience in what it takes to move forward in your career, and she's helped many to make real change happen um, for individuals and organizations alike. So, Michelle, thank you so much. And did I butcher your last name? I probably should have checked before we were chatting before. <laughs> you got it right. So I did. Yes. I am so glad to hear it. Um, so thank you again for joining me today. Um, I'm a huge fan of your voice on LinkedIn, where we got to know each other. Um, but I don't think I realized that you were a two-time career changer. Um, I'd love to hear about how you came to make this most recent pivot and also what does what does your company stand for the I'd love to hear how you came up with the name yeah well first Virginia thank you so much for being invited to your show I actually was so so delighted so I'm glad to be here um my first career in architecture was lovely but it wasn't the right fit for me and I'm gonna hopefully sprinkle in a little bit of that knowledge in terms of career alignment in our talk today. But my first pivot was into executive recruiting. And that kind of came about as a lot of executive recruiters talk about by um, happenstance. It was more that I kept getting recruited and I was not interested in going back into the field. So after so many referrals, Virginia, I was like, all right, maybe I have a knack for this. And networking has always been my jam. So I stepped into that and really enjoyed it. However, I started to realize the way to help more people was to move away from just only one person receives that role. As you know, only one candidate can take one job, but I could Help more people. So career coaching became the focus in the summer of 2018, and I've been doing that since then. So I really enjoy that. And I chose the company name, RP4C actually is the acronym for Reaching People for Careers. And that's really because it shouldn't be about just a job. It should be about your career and thriving in it and aligning to what you were created to do. I love that name. I was wondering, I was like, that Initials with R with your last name. Oh my gosh, that's, that's wonderful. Way I kind of like that coincidence too. <laughs> but yes, my Virginia Franker resumes because my accountant was said you need to come up with something. <laughs> You're like it works. I like yours too. Yes, thank you very much. I'm not nearly as creative. Uh, so I know that you work with people that are you know they come to you because they're frustrated um, and. But I also know that there's lots of different reasons why people are frustrated and sometimes they just can't, they can't articulate that. They they know they're unhappy in their career, but they really don't know what the root causes of it are. Um, so I'd love if you could share with us your a little bit about what your process looks like for helping them pinpoint the source or maybe multiple sources of this frustration. That's a pretty, yeah, it's broad and it's narrow, I think, at the same time, because 
what the common denominator of a lot of the clients that come to work with me, Virginia, are stuck. And they have a question mark that just looms in front of them and they don't know how to see around the question mark. And I do understand that. I was in that state of confusion or frustration for almost five years when I was still in the architecture field. So I think I really love that I can be both sympathetic and empathetic with my clients because it is hard. And I think the sources of the frustration are what is the really broad component because at the end of the day, it may be that they are misaligned to the role that they have. It also may be that just the day-to-day of that job and what company they're working in doesn't allow them to flourish in what they really enjoy doing, maybe what they're naturally gifted to do. And by the same token, what is their heart saying to this situation? They may not be able to see that the company they're with um, doesn't have values that align. And I'll just lightly touch on this, but when I was getting started, I knew that assessments could help. Um, it doesn't mean that you always have to use them as a coach, but sometimes the assessment is just that roadmap for a client to better understand themselves. It holds up a mirror to themselves. And one that really stood out was the UMAP report that Christian Sherry created. And I liked it because it brought illumination to the area of frustration. And so in some cases, clients just aren't even using what they're naturally gifted to do. The UMAP brings the four pillars of career satisfaction to the forefront. So it might be that you're not (laughs) doing, like you're gifted in writing and you're not getting to write. Well, that's a skill and a talent when you think about the fact that to be able to do that, you have to look at context. I would be curious what your top five are for StrengthsFinder. But then with the values, it's the heart condition. You know, how do you evaluate your next steps? And some folks don't even understand them or know how to articulate them. That can be a source of frustration because when values are stamped or stamped on or trampled on, I just made up a word there, <laughs> stampled. <sighs> Writers beware. Architects are used to making up their own words sometimes. That has not 100% left me, Virginia. <laughs> Oh, but I will just say that it's important to be aware. You have to have some self-awareness and that's really what I start with for clients. Um, So it's strengths and values, skills. And then obviously we have personalities. We're made up of nature and nurture and how that's developed. So we have to look at all of it. I realized that you were UMAT certified. I, um, so it's funny, Kristen and I were friends on LinkedIn and then we discovered that we live like 2.1 mile away from each other. Um, I didn't know so that either. Well, that's a fun thing. I know, I know. And, um, and so we have met a few times and I just, I didn't realize that UMAP was, this was years ago when she was explaining it to me, but it's really, a, the way she explained it to me is it's a best of breed assessment. It takes the, you know, pieces from StrengthsFinder and pieces from what DISC and some of the other ones um, to be a really comprehensive assessment tool. Is that how you view it? I really see it as illuminating the areas like you ask about these areas of frustrations. And I just really have seen a lot of um, impact, both in clients being able to get clear. And as a coach, um, I like that roadmap to know the data points about what is it that they are gifted to do, because that's your natural talents. Those are the strengths. Strengths finder. Your values are your heart condition. It's how you process through decisions. And your day to day tasks will either energize you or drain you. And you got to know what those are because they are distinct from the 
strengths, the natural talents. And then the personality component, that fourth pillar, why that's so just really critical is that you are someone that's made up of emotions and how you process those comes through your personality. It's how you engage with others. And that's a huge component of self-awareness. And I actually, there's another certification tool that I went through and um, Pierce Howard, I was looking for the name. I loved how he talked about this because he said, every day you're going to go to work and you're going to be met with people of different personalities and you have to know how to work together. It's very, very true. And so you could just be on a team where you have a massive personality clash and that's the reason you need to make a change. Love that. I love that. You're making me want to go get UMAP certified. I need to reach out to Kristen. That might be one of my goals for 2022. Um, you'll hey. talk to me about referenced it again. And so, um, thank you. It's a fun one. Yeah. I do use that uh, quite a bit and I use it in resume writing too. So yay. Do you really? Okay. Uh, so do you feel like there are, you know, once you, once you have, done the assessment and the, you know, you've illuminated the situation, you've got a roadmap that offers the data points. Do you feel like there's ever benefits to making sort of a micro change versus a major change? Or does it really just depend on what, what the roadmap, what the findings are? I do think there is merit in a micro adjustment versus a macro change. And why I love what I do, Virginia, is that I get to do individualized career coaching, which means, yes, there is a framework that I've built that really helps anyone because I've worked in a lot of industries, helped a lot of professionals move forward in their career. Sometimes it's an adjustment inward and it's a progression upward. In fact, some of my favorite client stories from 2021 include those that as a process of working together where they thought they needed to leave, they actually learned it was possible to stay, but it was a, a chance for them to really see what was happening. I will tell you, it's coaching is dynamic. It's not static. We have circumstances that come at us that we must adjust to. And in this case, it seemed as though it was going to go one way for a client. And in fact, it actually was able to progress upward, meaning they were dissatisfied with maybe the management and lo and behold, as we were doing coaching work, the management changed. So that afforded them an opportunity to work with a better manager. And therefore they felt like, okay, that was part of the problem solved. Now I can stay, but they have to come out of it. I think it is very difficult. And I think coaches even need coaches. That's one of the benefits we get and privileges we have is being able to see it for someone while they're stuck in that hard space. And so what I love about what you offer, what you offer is it, um, it's, it's a ongoing support as, as in a dynamic situation because plan, plans change, leadership changes, uh, industry shifts. Uh, there's things are always, always um, the best laid plans always <laughs> often blow up. And so having <laughs> very, very help you walk through that. Um, it's instrumental when you're when you're dissatisfied, right? Absolutely true. And I mean, it's the kind of thing where the reason I think we've seen such a massive shift for folks is a lot of um, well, even before the pandemic, when I was 
called into this, I really believed that there was going to be this shift happening for folks to get aligned to where they're supposed to be in their life. I believe we all have like a purpose and a calling on our life. And that just then turned up to an exponential degree with the pandemic. Everyone was forced to really evaluate all facets of their life, quite frankly. And careers are a huge part. We have an expression, an outward expression of how and who we are created to be. So that's just the exciting part is being able to see people thrive in their work. Yeah, I, you know, I, I had been seeing a slow uptick in people eager to, to test the water, see what was out there um, before the before the pandemic. But it, yeah, it, it is to a whole new level right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, I, well, and I've been doing this since the recession, so I definitely saw it then too. Um, and then it ebbed, and then it started going little by little. So it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out in the next couple of years. Absolutely, we have a lot of things that still need shaking out. <laughs> I was just speaking with a really close colleague and an executive recruiter in the um, industry, and we were just talking about like which industries are getting a massive like shakeup still, which ones are settling down. Um, it's a pretty fascinating conversation because, unfortunately, I think for a lot of us that are in the space to advise professionals are trying to watch for the trend and sign of adjustment and it's been still very much a roller coaster. So, um, but I enjoy that. I enjoy being able to help people navigate the waters of job search because it's, it's very dicey. Industry that they indicate we're going to be facing upheaval. Oh, I'm sorry, Virginia. The first question, part of the question came out. What what industries that they indicate we're going to be experiencing additional upheaval? Well, I guess we framed it from the context of like which ones are settling down, so and which ones are not. So those that still have time and need to settle down, that won't come as a surprise. But healthcare, yeah, just because there's still, unfortunately, um, a lot of moving parts and pieces to that, but it's also become something that folks that have been working insane hours for the last two years are now maybe looking up and they're like, I can't do this anymore. So that's going to create with a, and I can speak to this from the architecture profession, because when you started back in the recession, that was when a lot of talent was lost in the architecture industry because a lot of, um, companies had to lay off and it was understandable. Wait, right. Yeah. Real estate. Yes. Impacted your industry greatly. Right. And that actually made it a difficult talent pool. When I started going into executive recruiting, it's tough. There's a, there's fewer and fewer people that are actually doing the work and architecture tends to be one that is um, just very rich by experience. So I know we hear a lot about ageism in the, um, the market and folks being concerned about that, but there's some industries where your age has produced that much more experience that is very valuable. And architecture would be one of those instances that they really yeah. value that, but it is hard. And so healthcare was one that's, you know, just is still tumultuous. Um, and then they talked about um, IT, you know, being one that, you know, we could see some sort of, ugh, what would we call it? Like societal beliefs that like you maybe can just go and, learn that by coding versus going to college to do that, to be a programmer. So we'll see how that one will shake out. But it was just fun to talk through the different perspectives. And I think that's why these types of like shows like you have and others give us a platform to 
shoot around ideas, digest like what we might be seeing in the market. And um, there was, you know, a handful of us that even were talking end of last year about what are we seeing? You know, we're all working with clients in different industries. And I kind of enjoyed being able to relay that back in a workshop in January. And, you know, there's, you even have probably some insights on that from your vantage point with clients in different industries. It's hard to chart a pattern right now. And, and, and there's certain healthcare and IT, you nailed it in terms of um, industries that are, um, well, IT is, is, is evolving at the speed of light um, and how people are pathing into that is, is it, it's been turned upside down, which I think is exciting. Um, and then healthcare, um, you're right, the burnout is, is, incredible Super real. All level, not just the front lines um absolutely so. and that's the danger we have i mean i can speak about this from my old profession when we lost a lot of talent in 0809 and i felt very blessed to get back in quickly i was laid off in 09 at the beginning of that year and four months later i was back in but what we all experienced for those that were fortunate to have a job was doing a lot more work with less talent because we were just gosh, you know, holding the bag hundred percent. Yeah. You got to, you know, balance, like what can you really bring in in terms of project work and et cetera. So I'm not saying it's ever easy. And I think that's one of the things we all have to be careful about as we talk in the space of career coaching and talent um, acquisition, that companies are still made up of people and they're still trying to figure it out. The good ones and there's just a lot that can be touched on but i i feel for everyone to be honest because it's difficult as you're a career coach and you're seeing some clients really um have to bang it out in the job search and just struggling with some of those things and then you know others do a pivot and it's very quick i think if i could give one massive piece of advice virginia it is to underscore put several exclamation points behind the word and that is networking and i know it's hard for folks um, i get that but i really have to encourage that because it is a time saver at the point at which you really need the networking connection you know i agree and it's it is having a group of people that are in touch with people in your industry is it's the best way to weather ups and downs because um, they're connected to what's happening, what's going to happen um, and, and can point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Great. So this is the perfect segue to my next question, which is uh, adjusted, you know, deals with burnout a bit. Um, what are some telltale signs that it is time for you to leave leave your current your current role and your company you know now i think if we imagine in our minds like two no let's do three three categories so we'll take like something that's warm hot and then on fire so you have to recognize the signs around you to fall into one of those three categories warm is going to be that there's things going on that might be flags but you need to kind of investigate. Hot is there's obvious things that are red flags and you're not supposed to be ignoring them, but maybe you have. Then on fire is that it has gotten so toxic 
for you to have stayed at that company or in that role that you want to quit your job tomorrow or today or for this very minute and that you have lost confidence in yourself. That is a very telltale sign of someone having been too long in a toxic work culture. So no matter if you're in the warm, hot or on fire category, I would say the time to have left for the on fire category was a long time ago. And I think the ones that are in the warm are the ones that need to do the greatest investigation in whether to leave now or to wait it out. Unfortunately, those that are hot or on fire, you're a little bit too past the mark. It doesn't mean you can't leave. I just am going to say my heart hurts for them because it is extremely difficult for those that have been into toxic work culture. And I've coached clients in that bucket, Virginia, and the damage that the emotional toll takes on them is very wide and long. And that makes me really sad that there's companies that produce that kind of toxicity. But man, if you're just in a warm spot and you just kind of like, hmm, I'm not so sure, please start investigating that now. And and I would also add, um, it seems to me that the on fire category, not only have you lost confidence in yourself, everything you've tried hasn't worked. There's, there's almost nothing left for you to, for you to mm, attempt to turn so it around. Right. Because you've made those attempts. Yes. Agreed. Time and to go. So when someone realizes that it's time for a change, um, how do you recommend they get started? I'm going to take it from the category of the warm, since to be honest, those that are in that hot or on fire category, it's a little more dire. And the space that I like to coach from is that we have the time and the space to explore, to correct, you know, erroneous thinking, to uncover those like roadblocks that have brought you to this point in your career. Um, Because my coaching work goes through a three phase process. We have self-discovery in phase one. Once we get that clarity, we move into phase two, which is about strategy. And then once we have all of that buttoned up, which includes branding and all the fun stuff you might expect of career coaching, we go into phase three with just implementation. This is like boots on the ground. Here we go. Job search starting. So what I would say for those that are that beginning part is to begin to evaluate where am I in this? And if you can ask yourself this question of, you know, what do I really want? You know, am I satisfied in my current career? And just having a few introspective questions that lead you to a place of, I'm not satisfied. You have to be willing to acknowledge that you need change. And I don't know about you, Virginia, but I'll sometimes talk to folks as prospective clients and they're, let's say on a scale of one to 10, like at a five on the readiness factor of change. They're really not ready that's just needing to dial it up a little bit more. Um, You really need to be closer to an eight, nine or 10 to be ready to make a change and move forward. Because as you and I have experienced and even our own careers, change involves incremental steps. And we as coaches can't make those changes for the client. So you have to be willing to journey forward. And that to me is just like a bit of that self-reflection, self-introspection. I think it's also just not being afraid to make the phone call. Sometimes I tell prospects, Virginia, like, I just want to affirm you that you did a really big, good thing today. You actually made a phone call to check in on yourself about your career. That's awesome. You're not quite ready for what we're going to embark on, 
but you're going to get there. And then I have other clients where, you know, you can tell that they've been further on that scale spectrum and they're ready to go. So it's a, I hope it's making sense, but it is a bit ambiguous. Yeah, so so we just figure out where, where you threw introspective questions to give you a sense of how ready you are. Yeah. For that okay. Absolutely. Um, what about someone and, and I don't know if you get these people, I get them quite a bit where they have been engaged in job search. It's not going well. Um, and they come to you at a loss. How, how can they begin to regroup? And maybe it's the same advice as what you just shared, but. The interesting thing for me, at least when I work with clients in phase three, which is the active job search for the majority of the time, there's a couple anomalies to that, but I won't digress just based on the question in front of us. I will say that it's critical to me to be so in tune with the process for my clients so that I can do strategy adjustments on the fly. So let's just imagine we're on a road trip and the client is the one driving the car and we've got this roadmap, we've got this plan and strategy to arrive at their destination of their company and I'm in shotgun. So I'm the one that's like, oh, wait, 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 pothole. Or you know what? We got a detour ahead. So here's how we're going to pivot and make this change. So for me, when there isn't job search success by not getting results, it's an immediate change up. So let me just try to give one example, because when I'm working with clients, I meet with them every week. And even between those meetings, I'm like, text me if you get an interview pop up, let's have quick you know, strategy for interview preparation. At the end of the day, it's all about data points. And I think if some folks aren't tracking what they're doing, they probably aren't aware of where the breakdown has happened. So you probably can attest to that too. Like it's, it's not just one thing to have your resume or your cover letter. They're great tools, but you got to figure out your plain game plan. And so where the bottlenecks are happening. Yeah. And so I would just say that it sometimes for a regroup, you got to pull back up and maybe you have to see where the, the plan to journey ahead went awry. Maybe you were like determined to take this one interstate route to get to the you know destination, but it's closed. The bridge is under construction. So now how are you moving forward in the equation to the job search? Sure. You were determined to get into this one company. I'm not saying give up, but maybe your route where you were going to just apply online and reach out to the hiring manager isn't working. So maybe you need to network in with a peer and try an alternate route in. Well, and what I hear from that is that you really, it's important to understand where things are going awry, where in the process there's a bottleneck so that you can identify it and then do a workaround. Otherwise you're sort of maybe addressing, fixing things that don't need to be fixed. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, Virginia, I'll just add this because in some cases with clients, since I am right there in the hopper with them and, you know, moving and adjusting and making all these changes as we move forward, there's sometimes where they are literally checking every box of what they're supposed to do. And as hard as it is, sometimes the answer is that you have to just keep moving forward, meaning you might regroup to just take a break from the job search for a moment to realize you've been doing the right things but your time just hasn't come. I don't like it as much as anybody else, but 
we are absolutely um, forged in fire. And sometimes the process is painful, but it's important to journey and keep moving one step in front of the other. No, and that's right. And that's where a coach like you can really help to um, give the support needed to keep the momentum going because you're right. Just because you are doing everything right doesn't mean and you're going to hit, have immediate success. So, you know, sometimes it does happen, but often it just, it, it takes time. I have clients where I would say it's kind of like eight times out of 10 smooth sailing, boom, 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 boom. Like we start phase three and it's a month long and they're landing within those four weeks. And other times it's longer. I can't say because every client is different based on their circumstance of what they want to do and where they're going to go. But the smaller percentage of the, you know, two out of 10, I just, yeah, it's about encouragement because the hard part is when you feel like you should be having success. And sometimes Virginia folks that are in that space, they've never had to do this before. And all of a sudden they have. And from a different perspective, different, you know, life angle, I can just understand it's not easy. You don't want to keep moving forward, but you will, and you can. And, and, having that expectation, or I guess setting the expectation that it might take a little longer, I think is also really important. I know I was just writing about this, that we call it a career ladder, but to me, it really should be called a career pyramid in that, the higher up you go, there's there's fewer opportunities. So it, it makes sense that it's a it might be a tougher challenge and a longer slog when you are competing for the roles at the at the tippy top. So you know it's fascinating to get that imagery because I'm talking with a former client and um he reached a really high pinnacle in the career trajectory based mm-hmm. on our coaching work and we're evaluating his next step because his intentional, um, the role that he took was intentionally for a specific reason and specific time frame, And it's a little bit of that, huh, I got to the top. Now what? And so it is more of like, maybe even we just need to picture a mountain range, you know, go up and down. <laughs> we have all kinds of things in life that bring us challenges. It's not always just up, 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 up. I like so, that imagery. No, it's, it's very yeah. appropriate. <laughs> um, I'm sure you work with people that are, especially because they're, they have decided to pull the trigger on making a change that they have acquired a lot of skills and they have vast talents and they could maybe go in a couple of different directions. What, what are your thoughts on that? And what advice do you have people that say, I could do this, or maybe I want to do that? Oh gosh. Well, first of all, I love the ability to explore and I like the um, intentionality behind the curiosity, I guess, that comes from like a lot of possibilities. There is that crossroads for some of my clients when we're heading out of phase one and before we go into phase two with the strategy. And so a couple of key um, actionable things they could do would be to intentionally conduct informational interviews. My like, keep in mind your prize, the goal in this effort is to narrow. I do believe that someone should get specific about they want about what they want. I'm different than maybe some other career coaches where they think you can 
go in a lot of routes? I don't think so. I think that you should know and be very targeted and specific because there's a lane and a path for you. The what and where should be very defined. So in that case of like diverse talents, it's very possible. Like, let me give you my example. I talk about this in my very first article I wrote on my website. Because if I had stayed in architecture, Virginia, I could have definitely done business development. I'm a natural networker. I freaking love it. I love people. I love talking. I enjoy being in the arena of design, but I just was tired of doing the actual work of drawing buildings and spaces. So that was a possible route. I had the skills and the talents to do that. I also am a gifted writer. I naturally write. It's in the genes. My mom and my sister, English teachers. My dad, um, also an English major before his first career pivot. So my point is that there were different routes and that may be where somebody finds themselves. But you have to look at the whole facet of it. What is your day-to-day going to look like? Um, What are you going to be asked to do? Can you handle the culture of that kind of industry? So it's very good and very, very worth your time to conduct informational interviews. That would be my highest recommendation. I couldn't agree more. To me, the Purgit informs everything from what companies you're going to target to who you're going to reach out to, to what your documents look like. Um, yes. And how you, for in your case, how you would write a, your career marketing collateral, if you were going to be targeting architecture sales is very different than, you know, another route. Um, Can I give one? Oh, sorry. I, I, I know. I was going to say, and informational interviews are to me are the perfect way to help you figure out, what what lies at that cross section of what you're good at and what you're good at that you like to do in an environment that works for you. Totally. And I was going to give a really quick example because this client of mine has done really great work. Um, and um, she was at a crossroads and we had put on paper like some of the ideas, right? So that's the whole reason why um, I also enjoyed the UMAP tool because it includes a workbook and you can kind of process through some of these things. Well, anyway, on there was project management and it seemed to be really correct based on the data. All right. So she starts these you know, informational interviews. Well, one of the things that she learns by talking to others that are in that role on the day-to-day is how much she would be in Excel spreadsheets. That's one little thing that's a day-to-day item or activity that you have to do. But for her, that was like, absolutely not. I do not want to be in Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. And so I was like, well, that was huge intel. And I was so glad that she got that because we could have produced documents, headed her down that path. And she would have been like, this is not it. I can't do it. So that's hard. Um, And yet, like what she ended up doing was going into um, basically as a program director and nonprofit. So you, you really do have to take the time. And I just think people need to understand career change has a time stamp attached to that. You need to give yourself that permission. I mean, we spent four years going to college, Virginia, for a degree, for right. a career path that we thought we were going to do. Four years, right? So what is it for you to take three to four months to get it right? I mean, I never even articulated it that way, but I have a lot of clients that have done massive time with it. Yeah. It's so exciting. So speaking of, of career materials and, and career change, um, I, I've always thought that 
applying online for jobs is brutal, but it's really brutal for those that are trying to make a pivot. Um, for me, just from a sheer applicant tracking software system standpoint, <laughs> the person with the most keywords is a better match and you're going to have a better match if you've been in a role than if you're trying to get into it. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the topic and um, what steps do you feel like offer the greatest return on investment for those looking to land in a new role or industry? You, know, you reference networking right off the bat, so I have to think that's a big part of it. I love this question because I think it's probably one that hovers in job seekers' minds the most or those that might be considering career coaching. And I am a huge fan of employing all the tools in one's arsenal for the job search, but really invigorating the key areas where the job seeker, or in my case, my client, is going to be the most successful. So this is a very specific session for my coaching clients, Virginia, it's phase two, session three. It's like, okay, job search, we're tailoring it to you. So absolutely agree with you that applying online is one method. Networking is a method. LinkedIn strategy, content creation is a method. Um, what are your contacts? We can bucket those into hot, warm, and cold and what that strategy is for those. And there's more, but let me keep it concise for the sake of time. At the end of the day, we have to employ, or I do, have to employ the, the client in the way that they're going to be successful. So if I have an introvert as my client, I want them to have some networking strategy, but I know well enough that it is already going to be a hard enough task for them to lean so heavily into that, that I want to employ the other areas that they're going to feel more comfortable in. And I'm a fan of encouraging change and encouraging getting outside your comfort zone. But the job search is dicey. Last year alone, it was a freaking roller coaster. Okay. And so to me, for career coaches, one of the best ways that you can really empower your clients is to give them all the tools, but pull those levers that they're just going to really see some beginning results. I just want to say I've had clients land because they applied through the online app, you know, through the company website, which was ATS, and they got through and they got through the interviews and they have a job that way. And I've had more clients land because of networking and using the hidden job market, which is a whole nother tactic inside the job search arsenal. But you can't forsake that only one method is going to be the method. And that may be where I tend to disagree with some out there. And that's fine that that's maybe how they've structured a business model, but Please, to anybody that's listening, that's a you know potential job seeker, use all in your tool belt, but employ where you excel. Like for me, I'm a master networker. I'm of that category, Virginia, God bless it. I don't have to have a resume because I am networking so well that they know my reputation and I have conversations and that brings, the, the resume is really just to get the conversation, right? right? That is the power of networking, but it is a gift. So if somebody else is just want to vomit because they have to get on the phone or reach out to somebody, all right, let's do the networking in the space that you can feel comfortable, but employ other areas. I just firmly believe someone's going to have a path based on how they're wired. A door's not going to be closed off to you just because you can't and don't want to network. That's, I'm getting on a little bit of a high horse here because <laughs> I can I tell love that I'm it, in passion. <laughs> I, just, I love this perspective because it, with job search, there's no one size fits all. And I love no. the idea of, 
you need to pull the levers that will work best based on your particular strengths. Yes. And what works for you might not work for someone else. I mean, Virginia, you can apply that to parenting when you realize you've got kids. So, you know, what worked on one is not going to work on the other because it's oh, 100%. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So that's kind of part of it, too, is just recognizing the beautiful, unique person that's in front of you and how can you empower them in the way that they are created. Love it. I love that. Um, well, we, we you touched on it a little bit earlier in terms of the world of architecture, Um with age discrimination, um, but I know that you work with people across industry, um, and there's always talk about discrimination when it comes to hiring practices. You know, all of the isms, ageism, sexism, um, racism. How do you equip your clients to to navigate this? I think that. Because I work with clients from the beginning and we're establishing a relationship and a rapport, I really love that I can help them see the beauty of who they are from the outset. And sometimes, Virginia, we're having to navigate some concerns about fill-in-the-blank-ism, right? But when they get a chance to see that they are uniquely created and they have a unique purpose and there is a path for them, what I will tell you is that oftentimes the fill in the blank ism just dissolves. It sort of goes to the background. And by the time that we're at the job search phase, they're not even focused on it because they're so empowered by what they know that they are created to do that they're running after that. And, you know, all glory to God, I really have not seen clients be met with discrimination in the job search it doesn't mean that they might not get an odd question here or there. And then they, you know, we'll talk and chuckle about that from the interview process. But at the end of the day, when you know who you are and there's a confidence that has been built in that, a lot of the things that can happen to you in the job search just don't rattle you. So, I mean, are we going to be faced with these things that in my mind and um, belief are sin? Yes. But I also don't think it has to hold you back from walking through the door that's been opened to you. So in practical matters for the question, how to advise people to navigate it, go in with the confidence to know that how somebody else perceives you based on their own bias doesn't define you. And that alone seals it. Doesn't mean that any... What I've experienced um, bias when I was in grad school, I wrote a um, post about that not too long ago, and I stood up to it. I didn't let that person's opinion about me because I was a woman change my trajectory and getting my master's. I could have let it crumble me, but it didn't. And I think that's part of it is realizing you have, you know, the empowerment to stand up. I. I do feel like for so many people, the the bias is it's unconscious, right? And so, when you lead with confidence and strength, it really does help to goes away. Bring the conscious stuff; it, it moves it, it. It helps it to fade away. Yeah, I totally would agree with that. It's because it, it's fair to say that there can be an unconscious bias, but yeah, I think maybe that's the huge key indicator here, Virginia, is that it's the boost of the confidence of who you are. And when you present in that way and you leave no doubt then for the interviewer, right? If you're considering and thinking, oh my gosh, they're not going to want to hire me because I'm over 50 and I'm worried that they're going to think X, Y, or Z about me. Well, that's always in your mind now. And so then you're kind of projecting that 
um, the thought conversation, if you will. But if you come in with confidence, say like, I'm over 50 and I have a lot of freaking um, experience that they need. I it just, it totally flips. To learn. I'm energetic that when you leave with that, the, the, the unintentional concern someone has that the person might be too old for it. It, it does. It dissipates. Absolutely. I love that. Um, so you talked about levers earlier to pull. Um, I'd love to hear from you. What are maybe one or two tools that a job seeker or career changer absolutely cannot be without during their career journey? I I really highly recommend the tracking of your activity. My hunch is that most people don't do that. And um, let me use a different parallel that sometimes it helps to kind of, you know, pull yourself out to see it differently to dive back in. Um, I could have a goal to be more conscientious about what I eat. Um, If I don't track what I eat, I'm just kind of assuming I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But if I start writing that down, oh, lo and behold, there are a few Oreos on this list for the week, right? (laughs) So you can actually start to see like, you think you're doing a lot of job searching activity because you are thinking about calling somebody or you're thinking as you scroll through LinkedIn, but what are you really doing? You have to write it down. I'm doing Noom right now to track my food. I'm like, oh, I have to track those seven goldfish that I threw down my throat in two seconds. (laughs) I know, right? It's like these parallels are so helpful. So I think that's a primary number one. And then I would say um, accountability partner. And I would encourage those that are married to not have your spouse be that one, um, just because that's a you'd want the spouse relationship to be one that can remain encouraging. I've actually had several clients that are married, and I think that's one of the beauties of being able to be the cheerleader as I am the coach, like telling them the hard things, you know, hey, you haven't done a lot. We met last week and you, your activity kind of stinks. What's going on? And this isn't okay. You're not going to get anywhere by not doing anything. That's easier for me to have as a conversation than the spouse. So accountability partner and track what you're doing. Yeah, I was, um, we, when my husband lost his job years ago, we um, did not, I didn't even know career coaching was a thing. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was not, it was not good for us, <laughs> for me to serve as an accountability <laughs> partner. Um, yeah. fail. Um, <laughs> so Michelle, you have an exciting practice. I love, I love how comprehensive it is. Um, and I know you've got a lot on your plate, um, but I'd love to hear what, is there anything you can share with us about what is next for you um, in 2022? Yes. I, I still love helping clients. I'm still um, after the individualized career coaching model. I am going to be investigating how to expand that in such a way to help more people. My, I do really love working with clients. My max client load at any given time is about 20 clients because of where they might fall in those different phases, but there's more to help. And so I'm trying to figure out the best method for that. So that's something that's underway and um, in progress. I'm also very excited to be doing um, some more fun tools with LinkedIn. So I'll be, you'll be seeing more LinkedIn lives and um, we'll be playing with that audio feature that LinkedIn's going to start up. So that'll be fun. And the one little um, hint that I can drop is that I, I may be kind of um, getting back into the seat of the executive recruiter. I will still be coaching clients no matter what, but I'm very excited to be exploring conversations with um, different companies to help bring that capacity to help people land. And 
I really do come from that unique spot of having been in both camps and to be empathetic in the process because a, a right career alignment can really make a difference. Um, fun fact, Virginia, 97% of my clients that have landed in their roles out of career coaching are still in those same jobs. So we have something to do here. Yeah. Huge. And the great resignation is real, but I don't think it has to be as bad as it is if we can help um, bring better alignment to someone's career. Oh, Michelle, I love that. So if, if people want to keep up with you on what I've listed on your bio, is I've got a link to your LinkedIn, your website, rp4c.com, and your email. Are, are those the best places to stay connected with you? Absolutely. I love staying connected on LinkedIn. If people want to send a connection request, just personalize it. The volume is high sometimes, and so it just helps to know um, when and how you heard from me and how I can be a help to the help to you. So, but I look forward to that. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure speaking with you. Same here. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.